What a day, what a day, what a day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of EQ Book Club. Today, my entire intro is just a single fun fact. Here it is. Fun fact. My two closest friends are both named Eric. Both of those Eric's closest two friends are both named Ryan. Wild. Today, I have one of the Eric's other Ryans with me, Ryan Phillips. How are you doing? Hey, man? man. How's it going? That is, uh, that's quite the intro there. That's, that's, uh, not too many people can say that's a fun fact, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to be here and, uh, happy we have a mutual connection in an Eric. <laughs> Absolutely. He's a great Eric. You know, you gotta give him. Yeah, props. he is. He's one of the best. <laughs> All right. So Ryan, you and I have a similar recent experience that I think is extremely relevant to mindfulness and emotional intelligence, uh, specifically in the workplace. We both spent a short time during the pandemic working on a team of 10 or less for a startup. Coincidentally, they were both based in botanic innovation. Uh, I worked in the Yopan industry and you worked in CBD. Uh, I don't know about you, but I had been enamored by startup culture since the moment I like really started to understand what it was. Uh, small teams, innovation, collaborative problem solving, it all seemed like exactly my type of shit. Uh, yeah. So what brought you to working for that specific company? And what was it that interested you in working in a startup environment? And what was your role? Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm, I live in San Francisco. I, I moved out here after college. And uh, being in San Francisco, you are surrounded by innovation nonstop. So, you know, everyone's got a side hustle. Everyone is super smart. And it's, it's really motivating. And you want to have your side hustle. You want to you wanna be a part of something, that, that, that next big thing. And, uh, you know, I'd spent about a year and a half uh, working in pharmaceutical marketing and knew that really wasn't what I wanted to be doing long term. I knew it was kind of uh, a necessary path to take to get to where I wanted to be, which is in this cannabis CBD industry. Uh, I Like I said, I'm in California. I moved out here from the East Coast and uh, I knew I wanted to be a part of that industry. So I, I got that experience and during the pandemic was really, I mean, was thankfully still employed by that pharmaceutical company, uh, but was just kind of fell flat. You know, I was, I was pretty bored with what I was doing. And so I started to look for a change and um, found this company. It's a CBD company that really kind of targets, uh, I'd say like athletic individuals and being somebody that was a, you know, a big athlete growing up and still very serious about fitness and nutrition and that kind of stuff. Uh, saw this as like the perfect opportunity to kind of take a leap of faith and kind of dive into that and was offered the head of marketing position at, at the, this company that I ended up accepting the job for. And, uh, it was great. You know, I mean, first, I mean, I, I really vibed with all the people there right off the bat. Um, but obviously, uh, why, why I'm here today really is to say, you know, that, that didn't last, uh, and part of that was, you know, through uh, not doing <laughs> the necessary kind of checks and balances in the interview process, but also, you know, uh, not, you know, not being able to be heard in that small startup environment and kind of having, having somebody at the top that wasn't really that open to suggestions. And, you know, his, his go-to saying was, there's no sacred cows, but uh the only sacred cows were the ones that, that he decided he didn't want to change. So it was kind of <laughs> like, uh, you know, he gets, he, he was very much somebody that, uh, that said all the right things, but when it came to, uh, implementing them just completely fell short and, uh, made it really tough to, to work there. His actions were not, uh, speaking to what his speeches were. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, during an interview process, it's easy to, uh, you know, say the right things and, uh, you know, like check all the boxes off to make somebody a potential employee excited. But, you know, yeah. once you, once you get into the role, it gets a lot more difficult to kind of, uh, like follow through with those things. And, uh, 
that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways I, I learned while working at the company was like, you know, make sure these people are capable of following through on, uh, on what they're really saying and kind of do your, do your research on it and see like what the history of the company is, that kind of stuff. Well, what were your like hopes and goals going into the experience originally? Like what, what was it that caught you that, that they were able to latch onto? Yeah. You know, I think having a lot of control over the marketing, I basically, when I saw the company, I was like, wow, there's a lot of room for improvement in mm -hmm. their marketing, uh, kind of plan. Uh, and from my understanding throughout the interview process was that they were bringing me in to really, they, they acknowledged that and that they wanted me to come in as somebody that had a lot of experience in a regulated industry like CBD and help them bring their vision to life. And I, their vision was like right in line with exactly what I wanted to do, which was, you know, bring an athletic audience, a CBD product that they can trust um that's like a cool hip company that's got a lot of cool athletes involved with it um and i thought i was gonna have control over that you know i thought i was going to be able to you know change up the website uh you know have a say in the activations of their their athletes um and it just turned out to be the complete opposite of that you know anything that i suggested it was a hard no. How could you possibly think this is a good idea? This is the worst idea in the world. Uh, and it just became super unmotivating, you know, uh, wow. and that, so that, that's kind of where that was kind of where I came in and then where it eventually led to was, you know, even if I asked a question, it became a, why would you ask this? This is off topic. This is unnecessary. And it's like, I'm just trying to help the company grow. You know, my job is to help you be a successful entrepreneur. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And if you're not able to answer my questions in that way, then I don't know how to help you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely hard to help anybody that's not willing to receive it. Uh, that's a, yeah. you know, commonplace in many relationships, workplace or not. Uh, and it's definitely hard to build a company, as you said, a, uh, a CBD company that they that these athletes could trust. How can you build a company that anyone can trust if the company doesn't trust each other, right? Like, yeah, it's so hard. So, how did how did this continue playing out? Where, when did you did you let go? Did you tr what happened? Yeah, so it's funny. I remember like the, maybe like the first week after I started. And so they had some like marketing documents that they had already put together. And some of the stuff that they kind of were like saying, Oh, we'll figure this out later. Or, like some of the plans they had were just like, this is, this seems like it's not fleshed out much, much at all. And I, I wasn't sure if that was just because they didn't know what to do there or if they just thought what they had was good enough. And so I remember taking, I was, you know, I was, I was kind of winding down my night and I, 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 whenever I have thoughts come into my head, I open up my notes app on my iPhone and I just write them down so I can like revisit them the next day or something like that. And I remember writing it down. I was like, does this, is this guy full of shit or does he really know what he's doing? And, or like, is this just how like entrepreneurship works these days? And like, mm. like it came more and more apparent over time that it was like, this guy thinks he knows everything about everything, uh, but and he, he's just completely faking it until he knows, until he hopefully makes it. And I, I was, I mean, throughout my time there, I was trying to implement processes that helped them sustain. Like, I mean, 10 employees isn't a lot when you're trying to be like a market leader in a huge crowded space. And so I was really trying to implement marketing processes that, uh, that could like scale without having too many people involved. Uh, and, you know, over time, I mean, one great example of, of kind of the work I was doing is, you know, I, I spent four or five days straight, pretty much no sleep trying to finish up a marketing plan to go into 2021. And I remember, you know, any part of a marketing plan is getting rounds of revision and stuff like that. And so, I remember I, I worked my ass off and I, I finally sent the CEO this marketing plan. It was probably a 60, 70 page deck and 
ton of time went into it. And I remember getting a t uh, an email back within an hour and a half saying, this font's far too small. I'm not looking at this right now. And Oh my God. I, for me, I was like, oh my God. Like I'm on, first of all, I was on vacation in Florida, like visiting my parents. So I get to see maybe two or three times a year. Um, and I, all my time been spent on it and to get that back. And I mean, first of all, it's an editable document. So if, if you can't read the text, like it's 10, to 11 point font to begin with, make it bigger, make it the 12, 14 <laughs> font. I don't know. But like, I think it's just the concept of knowing one of your employees spent a ton of time on something. And even if that thing that they put out is absolute shit, you should still acknowledge how much work went into it uh, and then start delivering feedback and say, hey, um, can we like the next round of revisions? Can we try to make the font a little bit more legible or something like that? And that was really my my moment of being like, okay, this is not a good place for me. And from that point forward, my self-esteem, my motivation to do work was just at an all-time low. And it just continued to go down and down. And I it uh I had people all around me from different parts of my life saying, Ryan, you really just don't seem like yourself uh you know you don't seem passionate about the stuff you're usually passionate about you don't have the energy that you usually do you're not you're not working out at all anymore like what's going on and it was really hard to put my finger on it i didn't want to think that you know my work was so related to my well-being because i don't know you see all these things about like work-life balance and i i would always like to think that you know you know i i had a pretty good work-life balance you know i I would work 10 hours a day ish and then kind of log off and be fine. But I didn't realize that that negative work experience was completely taking over my life, whether it be with my girlfriend, whether it be having conversations with my parents, whether it be, you know, staying active. I think in the three to four months that I was there, I think I probably gained like 20 pounds and, uh, I'm somebody that like did not use the pandemic as an excuse for getting out of shape. You know, actually at the beginning, I think I lost a lot of weight. Um, so to see that kind of take over my life was just uh, a huge red flag. And at that point I was like, I'm going to start looking for jobs even before I quit or was let go from the company. Mm. What was it? What were those feelings that, that you had that you were like, you know, this is how I'm reacting to this environment I'm in. And this is why I don't want to continue to dwell in it. Great question. I, for me at the, the moments where I, I felt a little bit bullied, I would say it was almost like a, a rage. You know, I would want to, I would want to type back and be like, how, like, how dare you say this stuff to me? Like, and, and I kept feeling like I was entitled when I was feeling those thoughts and that like, you know, I'm, I'm just like a marketing guy for this company. This guy's just trying to make, like start his company, like the way he wants to do it. And so for me, it was a time of a lot of, it, it was extremely humbling for one, because I felt like, you know, I was a young, smart marketing guy and to get all this negative feedback at first, I really felt like, okay, maybe I'm not the smart marketing guy that I, that I thought I was. But then over time, I, I had another colleague kind of talk to me about this 80, 20 rule where it's like, okay, if he, if you can get 80% of what you want, don't let the final 20% get in the way of you like losing your mind over it. And so a lot of the stuff that I wanted to change, I would just kind of let go. Um, and I think that 80-20 rule is, is, isn't a bad principle to live by when it comes to like, you know, if, if you're, if you get something 80% of the way there, that last 20%, don't let that last 20% kill you. Like you want to get there, but I, I mean, it started to be like, how far is my 20% going? You know, I was maybe doing 40% of what I felt was the right thing to do and then letting 60% go. And I was like, this work does not reflect the type of work that I want to be associated with. And it, um, that was kind of, those were kind of, the, it, it started with rage, but then it was like disappointment in myself for letting myself get to this point. Uh, and, and that when I started to feel disappointed in like myself is when it was a really a red flag to me and Absolutely. like started to be like, okay, this isn't a good situation. I need to get out of it. 
Mm -hmm. Did you, um, okay. I have the same question, but for a few different people, how did your conversations around this situation go with your girlfriend first? Yeah, that's, that's interesting because I think she at times feels frustrated. She also is at a much larger startup of probably like 300 employees at this point. Like it's, it's like, will probably go public soon. Um, but she was still having similar issues, but like the way her superiors handled things were just night and day different than the way mine were. And so we would try to talk about things and we were trying to figure out like who's superiors being reasonable about this and who's isn't. And it, it quickly over time became like, Ryan, your guy is always so unreasonable when it comes to these things. And so I think she just felt bad for me. I don't think she was, she wasn't mad that I was still working for the company or anything. She, she just felt bad. She's like, Ryan, you just put your heart and soul into this thing. And they didn't even look at it. Like you deserve better than that. And so that's what she was coming from. I, you know, I talked to my stepdad was a, a very successful, uh, I would say like self-made man. And so from his perspective, he was like trying to get into the psyche of the CEO of the company. And so would ask me a lot of questions about, um, you know, why do you think his, his direction is so different than yours? And I, I tried to ask myself those questions, but it was really hard for me to come up with the answers. And I didn't know if that was like a shortcoming of me or if it was like, is this guy so far detached from like where his company is versus where his vision is that it's like impossible to get there. So yeah, girl. To, so long answer to a short question. My girlfriend, I think more so felt bad. And I, that kind of made me feel even worse almost because I didn't want anybody feeling guilty for me, like, or like sure. bad for me. I, I was the first person to leave my job and be like, I'm the head of marketing. Like I'm making a lot better money um, doing something I want to do. Like this was all on me. Uh, and so to have some like people feel bad for me, I, it was not something that I, that I took well. Mm -hmm. it, well, it sounded to me like she kind of saw a lack of respect in uh, how your boss is treating you. When was it that you were finally able to be like, you know what? yeah, I am being disrespected. I, you know, cause we have those doubts as we're getting beaten down in that situation. Like, you know, maybe I don't know as much as I thought I knew. Maybe uh, I'm not the right person for this job. Maybe I'm not doing this the best way that I can. Maybe I haven't spoken correctly, like articulated my thoughts correctly. Maybe, you know, there's so many maybes in confusion, especially yeah. as this continues. When was it that you were like, you know what? No, I, I do have, you know, this self-worth. I do have some respect for, for what I'm doing. And, and I know what, uh, what my worth is and I need to do something about that. I think your your point about there's so many maybes throughout the process is an incredible one. And I think it's 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 natural to feel like maybe I should be doing something else. Maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I need to change this and that. And I I went through that a lot. You know, I, I talked to luckily I have a ton of incredible friends and, and former coworkers that I stay in close contact with and kind of ask them about their experiences with, with management and, you know, adapting to new management styles. And I tried a lot of stuff, you know, I tried, I tried being a yes man and just doing exactly, exactly what I was instructed to do. I tried that um, too. And it was even worse. It's crazy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, because I felt like I was protecting myself when I was doing that, you know, if you right. do exactly what you say to do and you execute it exactly the way they say to do it, then you can't be held responsible for when it doesn't work right. And then it's like, oh, I still was. It's like, I'm still getting yelled at for doing exactly what I was asked to do. My blood. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think, the, I think the moment that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too, like, personal here. I think they're, the moment that You're I welcome knew. welcome to. Yeah, I mean, the, the moment that I knew that it was like, this is – ridiculous is when I was starting to get called like names on like the public Slack channel by the CEO and being like, 
I, I was called a stupid monkey at one point, And I was like, Jeez. this is out of control. Like I, uh, how have I let myself come to this point? And I, this is not to attack that, that guy. I think what I'm trying to get across is how did I let myself get to a point where I was allowing myself to get called that? Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think it's like a slow deterioration of like, uh, I don't know, just like a slow deterioration of my self-worth and that like, okay, he didn't think I could do this well. And so I'm, now I'm doing this mm-hmm. and now he doesn't think I'm doing this well. So I'm doing something even less important. And like, I got to the point where I was like, once I read that out loud to my girlfriend, she was like, are you serious right now? Uh, and I think it was at that moment I was like, okay, I, this, this isn't sustainable. I, there's no kind of writing this ship. I need to, I need to start working towards getting out. And actually, you know, throughout the process, I, there were other coworkers that I talked to that I was sharing this stuff with and they were saying, you know, right, this is not fair to you. You like, you deserve better than this. Um, but you know, you don't want to let the team down, you know, you yeah. want to push through and you know, you're capable of turning something, uh, like negative into a positive in most cases. And I, I just wasn't able to do that here. Yeah, absolutely. I know you, I know you had kind of a similar situation with a, a startup. What, what was kind of your moment of realizing uh, it just, there wasn't kind of a, there was kind of a point of no return. Yeah. Well, oh, you know, I, I had kind of the same situation where it was a lot of confusion and a lot of, questioning myself and 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 what i had been working very hard for a long time uh you know my my deep dive into emotional intelligence and uh mindfulness and all this stuff that i talk about is because i had the goal of being a leader in a company one day right and i knew uh through some books that i read that to develop into a really good leader, you have to be mindful. You have to be able to have conversations with anyone and everyone in a safe space and, um, you know, see the positives in people and be able to provide uh, accountability and feedback that is appropriate and all that stuff. Um, and the the startup environment I was in, there were three of us, and uh, only two of us working in person. Me and the owner, we were in person. Mm. The other person was remote, and we, I am a listener. I'm not usually a talker until something needs to be said, and so I would listen all day. She was a talker, so I would just listen mm. all day. And when she would ask for feedback, I'd give her feedback. Um, But it constantly seemed that whatever my response was, you know, was not the correct feedback. And even though it was- Oh my God, I I relate (laughs) to that so much. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) even though it was feedback, it wasn't the correct feedback. um, Yeah, she didn't want feedback. She wanted you to tell her that it's perfect and there's a, there's, let's move forward or something like that. Exactly. And so, you know, that was bringing me down a lot. I was like, all right, well, I, and so I would go home, uh, you know, every night and I was staying on my friend's couch and, uh, I was just like, I, I couldn't even really, luckily he worked really late into the night, so I wouldn't see him most of the time. But even when I did, I would, I just like, didn't have the energy to even interact with him. Cause I had just been spending all day trying to, um, you know, kind of having this defense up, having this shield up in front of myself so that I could take those bullets as she sent them towards me. And then also, you know, be calm with them, understand them that they are, or attempt to understand that they are not a reflection on me and that I need to uh, respond in a way that I can be more understanding of what she was talking about or what she was looking for. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And I think, uh, I believe your question was when I, when I saw the change needed to be made is that mm. uh, I started realizing how she was talking about every person we were working with, whether it was the supplier, the distributor, um, our other coworker, uh, 
the she had hired an outside marketing person to work on the website um who was pitching the same stuff that i was pitching about the website but my opinion didn't matter so it was like whatever but the way that she talked about every single one of these people was so negative and i started to realize there is no way that if she is talking to me about every person that she wants me to work and be collaborative with in a negative light that she isn't talking to somebody else about me in that same negative light. Yeah. Because at that point there is, it's just that her veil is that there is a negative in everything instead of that there is Mm -hmm. a positive in everything. And when you're at that point, it is going to take a significant shift in paradigm to decide that you're going to start seeing things in a more positive light. And until then, you know, there was no room for me to be um, a part of this collaboration because it was not a collaboration. It was uh, her needing help to get things the way that she believed that they needed to be, mm-hmm. which is understandable. You know, you want a CEO with a strong vision, yeah, um, but you want a CEO that cares about people because in the end, your product is for people, your service is for people, mm-hmm. and the what is the people are the ones creating that product and service and giving it like giving it a lift via marketing or whatever. And uh, so once I was really feeling that everything I had just, you know, I had been getting my master's degree in leadership and I was like, wow, she is like really, kind of the epitome of a horror story that they would show us in a textbook in this situation. And yeah. it's no offense to her. It just like situationally, she, she hadn't learned those leadership skills, which is understandable. Like we don't all learn them. And, you know, mm-hmm. it had taken me many years of purposeful and thoughtful, like intentional work on being a leader to become yeah. the leader that I want. Yeah. To be. I think a lot of people, a, a lot of the people that get kind of far in entrepreneurship do it because they have such like strong fortitude in doing everything they do. And I think a lot of those people don't really learn how to work collaboratively well, because they're so they have straight tunnel vision towards where they want to get to. Uh, and that is really good to get you started. But once you're in a place where you're starting to grow into a company versus one person trying to get to somewhere, exactly. you have to learn those those communication skills and how to work with other people in order to bring your vision to life. Because you don't see, there's no company that is going to be successful with one person doing all of the work. It's got to be a collaborative effort. And that's why workplace culture is so important. And like, that, I mean, from this whole experience, this was by far my biggest learning is how important workplace culture is. You know, I was at a place, Havas, San Francisco, uh, before I left to go start the CBD company that was named one of Ad Age's best places to work. And I always view that as just like, oh, it's kind of like a token prize or whatever. And and like you submit it, you submit it, you make a submission to it and you get awarded it, whatever. I did not realize how important that award is until I was away from it. You know, having people above and below you that are rooting for your success Mm. and like helping, giving you the tools necessary to be successful in what you want to do and not just destroying you if you mess up, like is so important. And, And having people that care about you at like a personal level versus like a professional level is so so important and from my my experience you know i i'm still really close friends with a lot of the people that i was working with at Havas san francisco i still talk to the president of the agency you know mm-hmm. and she is uh, i mean for her i mean pharmaceutical marketing is not the sexiest thing in the world and her ability to retain the type of talent that they have at Havas san francisco speaks volumes to how she is as a communicator and a leader uh you know, even during the pandemic, she went out of her way to send everyone at the agency like a custom like 
uh, like Fourth of July gift basket or something like that, where it's like mm-hmm. you don't need to do that. It's the Fourth of July. Like everyone's enjoying like a, a beer somewhere, anyways. But like to like go out of your way and make your employees feel like they matter to you was something that I didn't realize was important beforehand, but was by far the number one criteria as I moved. Uh, I kind of moved past the CBD company and into looking for a new job. Right. Were there any? If you remember, um, were there any tactics that you tried and tactics kind of has a negative connotation, but I don't really mean it in a negative connotation, um, but like ways that you tried working with your boss before you kind of realized that there wasn't going to be a shift, you know, was a different way of speaking to him. Or uh, I remember that I would, I would, I had this, uh, a spiral bound notebook and I would write literally like 10 pages a night after leaving work. And I would just write like all my thoughts from the day and like everything that I think needed to change. And then I would go back through and read every line and think, okay, how might she take this? Would this be an, like, would she feel that what, if I said this, would it be an attack on her? And I would, I would keep like trying to change the wording and the verbiage and then I would try to go back the next day and say it and I would get like maybe two lines deep and then uh, not be able to speak anymore because she would overpower my my speaking ability. But right. things that you tried like that? Yeah, you know, I think I don't necessarily know if this would be the best advice, but I'll say it anyways. I, I there were there was another senior level person that I think was more so on my side, but was kind of the middleman between me and the CEO and mm-hmm. talking things through with him. And, and I would probably equate it to like, this guy was my direct manager and the CEO was my skip level manager, maybe. Uh, sure. So like talking to my manager through about the problems that I was facing and, and kind of un- asking him for his POV P- point of view, sorry. Um, <laughs> and like what he would recommend doing and how he could assist maybe that was what I found was the most successful. And eventually it got to a point where if there was any communication between me and the CEO, it was with that middleman on the zoom call as well so that he could see, uh, you know, like what I was going through, even, you know, it was one thing to be like publicly like roasted on like the Slack channel. Mm -hmm. That's like, whatever, like, I don't really care that much, but it was another thing to be like attacked, like one-to-one and just like verbal abuse. And I wanted that to stop. And so I I had that middle manager on the line with me. I think that helped to an extent to kind of like have him say what I was saying, but in a different way. Um, You know, like I said earlier, I, I, I became that yes, man. I tried that. I tried, I tried just not speaking at all and just letting him talk and, and, kind of taking his feedback and running with it. Um, but I don't think either of those things I would, I wouldn't recommend any of those things. You know, I would recommend ask, I mean, at first I was like, Hey, what can I be doing differently? Uh, that would help us work better directly together to the CEO. And I think he gave me like the list of things, which is fine. I, I'm totally open to feedback. Uh, and I tried to implement those things and felt like I was doing a pretty good job implementing those things, but then came another list of things, then another list of things. And so, Mm -hmm. I think finding that middleman to make sure there's like a balance a little bit, especially the startup where it should be, everyone has somewhat equal equity in like the vision of the company. Exactly. I think you could have somebody step in and say, Hey, I think this might be a little aggressive towards Ryan right now. Like, I think we're actually not saying things that are totally different. We just are not saying it the right way. So finding somebody not necessarily to be your advocate, but to be a middleman, I think was was pretty helpful to me. Um, and then just having someone that understood the situation that I could talk to about it was also really helpful. Yeah. I, I think that is really important. Uh, as I said, I was the only one like there in person with yeah, her. So that I was would like, be tough. it was really tough. And, I, you know, before, so later after I quit, um, our third person, uh, called me like a month or two later and was like, Hey, um, you know, what was happening there was not okay at all. And 
it just hadn't been apparent to me because I had been remote. Um, I just thought she was a little bit harder to work with. Um, mm. But then I kind of realized the toxicity after you left uh, and she started talking about you and her reactions to you leaving. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to like, uh, you know, make waves or anything. I didn't want it to affect you. And she was like, no, 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 it's, it was, it needed to happen. Uh, I started to understand and I left the company too. And um, she told me this, you know, months after, you know, there were a few calls that we were all on and I was, I would feel kind of attacked and uh, there was no one to talk to about it. Cause I didn't know this other person also was kind of having issues. And so, and I didn't know her that well, cause uh, our, the owner was the middleman really. Uh, and so it would have been nice is what I'm saying to be able to have talked to her after those calls and been like, Hey, you know, how would you have handled that situation? Or is there anything I could have said differently? But because I didn't really know her that well, I didn't reach out or anything. I think it is really important to have uh, maybe not even a middleman there, but just somebody else that uh, the other person respects uh, yeah. that they can just be there to see it uh, with, with new eyes. It's just really important. I think you're right. Yeah. I, so question for you, and I, I definitely want to answer this too, because I have some thoughts on it, but cool. I guess from like a takeaway perspective to this conversation, what would you view as like the telltale signs of, of a negative workplace environment? And like, what are the kind of, what are the list of items that you'd say like, all right, if you check off three of these things, it might be time to, you know, reevaluate where you are and, and like, realize that you deserve more and deserve better from from the company mm. you're working at mm. that's a great question and uh it's something i think about a lot i actually hope to do some writing on this in the near future i've already kind of drafted some stuff but nice i i believe that there and the reason I, it's only drafts of stuff is because i haven't done the research myself but i believe sure. that there is um, you know, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but relationships are systems, right? And we, we exist in these systemic patterns of relationships and each of us has a very unique, uh, systemic experience of relationships. And that is based on our experiences of past relationships and therefore, you know, our, our past relationships mold how our current relationships exist. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, and this is just my experience, but I believe that there are similarities in your work choices uh, and your like romantic relationship choices. Um, you know, this might not be for everyone. And again, I haven't done like any research on this, but you know, there's a, there's a psychology, um, not theory because it's a thing, but uh, it's called codependency. And uh, codependency is pretty rampant and uh, a lot of people experience it in one way or another. And I realized that I had, there were like codependent patterns in my family uh, that influenced my romantic relationships and coincidentally showed up the same way in this startup experience that I had. And so I would urge people to just take a deeper look at their relationships um, of all sorts, whether it's work or with themselves or with others. Um, that's kind of what the basis of my coaching is, is, is uh, looking into those relationships and how they systemically exist in multiple spaces. Um, but if you are in therapy and you're recognizing patterns in a romantic relationship, think about how those might play out in your work relationships and think about how those might play out in your familial relationships. Um, and, 
think about how uh, maybe your experience of one of your parents is similar to the experience of your boss that you have right now, you know, were you like not heard by one of your parents? Well, maybe that's why you've, you know, unconsciously, it's not like you did it on purpose, but you unconsciously chose a boss that does not want to hear you or is not going to hear you. Yeah. Um, So that goes into such a deeper dive into like, uh, again, like you said, uh, like how your past relationships affect your current ones, because I could go, I could talk for hours about like how my relationships with my parents, with my siblings, with, you know, my best friends growing up have drastically impacted the way I, you know, I treat my girlfriend, the way I treat my friends, the way I act at work. Absolutely. It is a hundred percent a thing. And, and I think it would do anyone good to kind of look at, you know, how you were raised, honestly, and this is the importance of parenting, parenting, honestly, how you were raised has an enormous impact on how you handle different, different and difficult situations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know if I have any specifics uh, to give you, but I think just starting there and, and talking to somebody that, that works in this area, whether it's a therapist or a coach um, to help you just walk through those experiences and and see if there's similarities there and how you can take action to, uh, Mm -hmm. well, working with a coach is going to be how like coaching is more about taking action. Therapy is more about understanding the past. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you need there in that situation, look for somebody like that. Uh, But typically if you don't feel heard and you don't feel appreciated, get the fuck out. A great way of summarizing it. and I'll just add a couple of things there. I think if, if you have no, if, if you start to realize that your motivation for doing good work is going down the drain, that is a red flag right off the bat. Like if yeah. you aren't motivated to be doing your job, like think about why. And oftentimes it'll be either you're just not in the right place or you're not at the right company. Um, I, I also think that like if you're not being respected by both people above you and below you, that's uh, maybe I'm getting too petty here, but I think there needs to be mutual respect amongst leaders and people that they're they're managing. And if and if that doesn't exist, uh, I think you should evaluate kind of why it doesn't exist and if it will be able to exist at one point. And if it can't, then Again, I think you. I think it's a sign that you might not be the right fit at the company you're at. Um, yeah, I don't think that's petty at all. I think that we are recognizing more and more, especially during the pandemic, uh, we're seeing leaders emerge uh, at different places. Like, you know, Delta has become the clear leader in the airline industry during the pandemic because they really respect everyone. You know, no matter what level, uh, whether yeah. it's the customer. And their needs, you know, keeping those middle seats closed, or yeah. it's the um, the employees on the ground or at the headquarters, you know, they they are really doing their best to respect everyone. And we consistently mm-hmm. see that the the best companies, the ones that are making it through this pandemic, the ones that are innovating during the pandemic, the ones that are going to come out even better than they went in, those are the ones that they're respecting their employees, they're respecting each other, and they're looking to, I forget the guy's name, but I always see his posts on LinkedIn, but he essentially, they were making no money. And when the pandemic started and they were like, you know, we're gonna have to let everybody go. And instead he sat down with every single person in his company and said, what could we do to keep you on? Like, give us an idea. You know, we wanna hear your feedback of how we can shift the company so that we can keep everybody on, you know? And then he ended up dropping his his salary from like over a million to, you know, like 70K or something like that, which right, is right. also awesome. But it's it's leaders like that, that they're going to respect you and they're going to respect each other because they know that the company cannot be going anywhere without its people and without the people that buy from it. So it's the companies that respect their employees and that respect their customers that uh, are really going to keep you going. Yeah. And I, I, I want to add one thing to that. And that like, how do you know, like, let's say you're trying to find a job that this all fits into, you know, that like, yeah, that, that does respect your, the employees, like the biggest takeaway from this. And again, I probably said that a couple of times here is like, 
do your due diligence when you're interviewing with the company. It's not just them interviewing you. It's you interviewing them to see if you're the right fit, you know? Uh, Which is scary, but it's so necessary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to be like, hey, can I actually talk to a couple more people on the team to ask them, like, about their experience? Maybe, like, without, like, their manager on the line. I just want to genuinely kind of talk through everybody has workplace like issues. I, I think if, if you find a company that says, Oh no, we're hundred percent happy hundred percent of the time like <laughs> that, that in itself is a red flag. Like everybody has something and you want to make sure that that's something that they have. Isn't something that's like your deal breaker. And that, I mean, that's the biggest segue for me that I'll, I will always do so much more research moving forward on the company I'm potentially going to work for. And, and talk to more employees, talk to people at all levels of the organization. I think that's so important in finding a place that you're going to be happy. Well, when we put ourselves in situations like this, we tend to feel like we have made a promise to ourselves is kind of what I was thinking of. You know, we feel like we've made a promise to ourselves and that if things are going south, then we spend our energy trying to fix and fulfill this promise that we made to ourselves that wasn't really ever our promise to be made in the first place because like we had no control over the other factors in this experience right you know Mm -hmm. we we came in we are another cog in the machine you know all we can do is try to fit as well as we can and make sure that everybody is working around us otherwise you know a cog doesn't spin unless all the other cogs are spinning with it ryan thank you that was invigorating i could be, you know, angry and happy about this situation all day, yep. you know, Yep. <laughs> but, uh, to let it come to a close, do you have any book recommendations for us? Yeah. You know, I, I'll be completely honest. I am not a, a huge reader, but I am making it kind of a, a new year pack actually with my dad. My dad is an enormous hist- history reader. Like like his ideal day is sitting on the couch reading like the biography of Abraham Lincoln. So Oof. I good for him. <laughs> every, yeah, I know, right? Uh, I am. I have told him, and we're about to start reading A Promised Land by Barack Obama together. Uh, I've read like the first couple chapters. Uh, it's not as daunting as I was thinking it would be. You know, it's it's the first couple chapters are, are actually really relatable. They're about you know his his high school days and kind of how he came into politics, but I'd say for people, I'll, I'll kind of hit maybe a demographic that may, maybe not as many people hit here and, and people that don't enjoy long form reading, but you know, like, uh, like kind of the short form things. I think anything by the morning brew for email subscriptions is great. They have morning brew for people in marketing. Their marketing brew is awesome. It always gives you kind of, uh, um, kind of quick information about the latest in marketing and why things are happening the way they are. And then they have, they have a newsletter that they started during the pandemic that was initially like called the essentials, uh, which was all about kind of like how to get by through the pandemic, but it's kind of blossomed into something else that they now call sidekick. Um, and it's really just about how to live a better life, how to live a more full life, how to live a more fun life. And that's probably my favorite newsletter that they send out. And, uh, it's called the more, the morning brew is, uh, is like the overarching one. And that's, that's like their main newsletter, but I love everything that they put out. Very cool. And I was actually talking to Eric about a promised land yesterday and, uh, you know, it is a daunting book. As you said, it's huge. It is yeah. <laughs> really big. Will be by uh, far the longest book I've ever read. If I for can sure. ever to cover. Um, and I was thinking about, I was like, you know what? Like, why would I not want to hear Barack Obama's voice as long as I can hear it talking yeah. about stuff that like his experience. And so I looked it up. The audio uh, book for the book is 30 hours 29, oh 29 hours and 10 minutes of Barack Obama telling you his life story. So like, I don't know, <laughs> I would say don't skip on this book, whether you want to read it or listen to it, because yeah. who doesn't want to hear him for 29 hours? You yeah, know, I mean, the man does have days. He's a beautiful voice, beautiful voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I do have one uh, book recommendation. It is yeah. one of my top five books, without a doubt. Uh, has really helped me 
I was reading it when I was in a really difficult leadership situation and it really helped me through it and, and taught me a lot. It's called developing the leader within you 2.0. Um, John Maxwell, he's a leadership genius, you know, I'd like to say, and, uh, this book just really, really teaches you a lot about, uh, the ins and outs of leadership that is connected to mindfulness and emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. He doesn't ever, I don't think he ever uses either of those words in the book, but, uh, so much of leadership is about understanding yourself and, uh, and how you interact with the world around you. Um, and therefore developing the leader within you is super important book for anyone that wants to be a leader in any context. You don't have to be a manager of any sort to be a leader. Uh, in fact, some of the greatest leaders are from, you know, working on the ground and, and doing things that are not managerial. Totally. Um, you can find these suggestions and prior episodes, recommendations, and a list of my five-star favorites at bookshop.org slash shop slash EQ. Please use this link to support the podcast and shop local. My original coaching certification is actually in workplace positive psychology coaching. So if any of this related to you or you're feeling unfulfilled in your occupational journey, please reach out anytime to set up a free consultation to see if I may be a good partner to help you take action towards experiences that better serve you. Otherwise, you can check out my website at tejocc.com. Uh, to find out more about what I do and my values, please directly share this or your favorite episode with at least one person that you think could benefit from knowing it exists. I'm sure there are plenty of people you can think of. I'm sure we have all had some terrible experiences in the workplace, so feel free to share yours anytime. Uh, both Ryan and I would be happy to hear them. Yeah. Message me on social media on the at EQ Book Club account. If you have any feedback, I'd love to hear it, positive or negative. The EQ Book Club account is also where you can find a bunch of relevant links, episode updates, and quotes that I find interesting. It's a great day for a day, y'all. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>